Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hello and welcome to Podcast Like It's 1999, the podcast where we look back at the movies of 1999 from our kingdom here in 2018. <laughs> I am fucking loving this new this new thing. Um, I'm Kenneth Nybart. Kenneth. Sometimes. I'm Kenny Nybart. On, on email, you are Kenneth I, Nybart. It depends from where I send my email. Oh, From wow. the phone, That's it's weird. one, and from the computer, it's yeah. the other. Um, cool. With me, as always, is... Philip Iscove. And joining us today is Jessica Ellis. Hi. A filmmaker and writer and um, one of the best people on Twitter. I was just going to say one of the funniest people on Twitter. That's nice. I just said one of the best. It's not true, but it's nice. Um, And uh, (laughs) someone whom we are both big fans of. Big fans. Uh, And she is joining us today to pick a movie that she chose that she was dying to do. (laughs) (laughs) I'm pulling up the... uh, Um, a little back, a little background. Yep. We're doing Anna and the King. Bill reached out to Jessica, I believe, on Twitter initially. It was on Twitter, yeah. And then I assume emailed each other, uh, whatever, and uh, <laughs> asked her to do this podcast. And she came back with a list of several movies. She did many, many movies, many, many that movies that were not Anna and the King. <laughs> that were not Anna and the King. Uh, movies that unfortunately have been spoken for. By other people, yeah, but just to give it's a sense, because they were good movies. It's ca- well, <laughs> just to well, give, well, hold on, let, just to give a sense of, of, just to give a sense of, of where Jessica's passions are. I will. First of all, it should be said just to, just that to the first one bit. right out of the gate was Deep Blue Sea. Really? That was you said it's a tough year, and you already did Deep Blue Sea. It's. I mean, so I love that that. I, all right this is this are, is already going in the, the right direction. place the yeah. movie yeah. is emblematic of 1999 because we just had Danielle Savory on. 
who was in Deep Blue Sea 2. <laughs> so, starring so, in Deep Blue Sea 2. Starring in Deep Blue Sea yes. uh, Other movies that Jessica brought up, Galaxy Quest, Dogma, The Insider, 10 Things I Hate About You, Cruel Intentions. All great fucking movies. So, like, no one should think ill of Jessica. Like, I, like, like I had for the last couple of days. <laughs> because Phil decided then to punk her and make her watch. And no, the- well, then she also, she also said... An ideal husband, which which we could have done that too, because that's a movie that no one had spoken for. But I also, and in the King, just felt like something that was a little bit, bit. We'd have more to maybe talk about about that movie than an ideal husband. It's it's an interesting movie. It it, it came out in a very different climate politically, yes. Yes. and 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 just in terms of what movies would get greenlit yes. than we yes. are in currently. So yeah. there is Accurate. there's a lot of room Accurate. to talk there. Yes, even at the time, this movie bothered. A lot Certainly of the Thai people. Yes. And Thailand, a lot not of a fan people. of yeah. Ben and the King. No. But you know, so. yes. it, it didn't occur to me until watching this movie how much the King and I should have bothered people. Well, the King and so, I is more offensive. Oh, yeah. They're, they're, but, <laughs> but the King and I is oh, the worst. But the King and I is <laughs> beloved, right? People love it. It's one of, it's, it's yeah. one of those yeah. seminal, almost Mount Rushmore musicals. It's certainly Mount Rushmore, Rogers and Harrison musicals. So... Um, the music, by the way, in that movie is legitimately, it's understandable why people love the music in that movie. That's not the problem. Oh, I'm talking about, well, whatever. We're talking about the, the same thing, the, mu- the, the musical, the movie, whatever. But Well, I, I'm speaking more of the fact that the actor that played the king, or didn't they like darken his Yule skin? Brenner? They, yeah. yeah. Well, face, I, yeah. I, That's a little bit more. Yule Brenner played, I think, every <laughs> that's the most racial variation <laughs> over yeah. the years. Yeah. So. so that's why I speak more of the fact oh, that that well, movie, that, the music that's, is the least That's a problem the least with the production. Part. There's a problem with this story that we're going to get into. Yes. There's many problems. Yeah, yes. enormous. I'm, I'm talking about yeah. historical, like like problems with like romanticizing yes. this historical story and, and also makes the, me kind of sick. The potential um, inaccuracies that exist in it too. There are, there are people that believe that Anna's books are rife with historical inaccuracies on top of that yeah even things like about herself which i think is also kind she of lied weird. about her name she lied about her she name lied she lied about, about where family. she came from she had she yeah. had mixed she was mixed race yeah. probably and lied about <laughs> that although culturally <laughs> so, that, that's so it's all very weirdly insensitive yeah. in its own weird way so let's let's do the thing where um first i would like you know we're gonna ask you we ask everyone just where were you in 1999 i uh I was in high school. I, I think I was I was sixteen. Where are you from? I'm from Santa Rosa, Northern California. Nice. Um, and Rob uh, is from San Francisco. Oh, hi. That's cool. That's nearby. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, I had just transferred high schools, and I had just moved across town. And ninety nine was the first summer I lived literally a block away from an independent movie theater. So it was the go. first year I started going to independent movies constantly. I had no desire to be a filmmaker at that point. I was really into theater and, and acting. And and Anna and the King was one of the movies I saw at this little indie theater. And because I, I love Jodie Foster. Like, mm-hmm. you, well, who doesn't love You know, Jodie in the Foster? 90s, yeah, yeah. Jodie Foster put out a movie. And her movie before this was Contact. Which, which I love. Top of Jodie Foster. Love Contact. Yeah. So, Yeah. People that, rag on contact. I remember when it came out, there was a lot of people that were like, dad's really? a fucking alien. Like oh. that's, I remember, I mean, there were just people that threw some shade at it because I think that expectations were high. You know, it was the Zemeckis follow up to Forrest Gump. It had Jodie Foster in it. Like there were a lot of people that were very excited about that movie, myself included. And I think that 
it might not have, it kind of had a bit of the interstellar, I think vibe. Yes. Right. Where it's like interstellar comes out and everyone's like, this has to change it's, my life. Sky high expectations That it could never meet. Similar. And now I love interstellar. Didn't love it when it came out. It's grown on me. See for me, like contact, like I was what? 14 or 15 when sure. that came out and seeing a movie with a female scientist sure. at the heart of it and Jodie Foster who is like just reads yeah. as the smartest person yeah, in the world yes. that was life changing for me for sure so, but but yeah and I mean you know when Arrival came out a couple years ago everybody was saying it's the new contact yeah so it seems its legacy has grown yeah it seems like I to- it's that's yeah. totally true I think contact's fantastic and I think what you just said about how Jodie Foster reads as the smartest person in the room is part of one of the reasons why this movie doesn't work as well as it could because it feels a little bit like, I don't know. Jodie Foster in period pieces doesn't always work for me. It I don't know how it feels. How tricky? You guys feel about that. Yeah, because she feels very modern and Sometimes very intellectual. It works, though I've, I mean, I have weird, weird examples where I do think it does work. Like Maverick. Like Maverick. <laughs> She's great in Maverick. Like that's Maverick, yes. Um, that's that's one of them. That's the one. Yes. Yeah. I, 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 I would also say Summer Speed. But that's just... There's, I, don't, I don't think I've ever seen There's Summer something Speed. more about her, you know, it's... She's so American. Well, that's true. Too. Um, yeah. And so in, in those those kind of almost like frontiersman, frontierswoman yes. roles, I buy her. Um Costume drama is fine in this, though. It's not. She's an incredible actor, but yeah. it's 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 just something about the way she presents herself that feels very American to me. But, I know I hear you on that. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think that. Listen, this movie has issues. I think we can all safely Many, say that. Yeah. Um, but I do think that it's interesting because as I was watching it, I don't know how you guys feel. Obviously, just speaking for myself, it was a bit of a slog. It was a movie that I was like, the pacing of this is what's actually killing this movie for me. Less so. The performances or or the spectacle or the, the goals of it. The politics of it weren't great. Don't get me wrong. I'm not suggesting that they were. But I do feel like as a just as a piece of entertainment, what was hanging it up hanging it up for me was that it was just very like how is this movie two and a half hours long? It I mean, there are like seven subplots, none of which are necessary in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> I, I mean, you you can tell that they were trying to distinguish themselves from yes. the musical and be like, no, this is a serious yes, version, so there yes. must be war and beheading. But like it it's all of tonal, it was a mistake. Yeah, yeah I don't yeah. know what like what is this movie? Is it so, a romance? Oh, wait, wait, is be, it a war film? Be, is, what is it? Be, before we do that, because yeah. That's the podcast. Um, <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. That is no. That is like. Well, I didn't mean to derail your. That's. A, I, I'm just. I questions. Uh, the, the no. The the question that I'm like most interested in is. So why'd you put it on the list? I had seen it more than once. I really, I, I really liked it. <laughs> it was. You guys are running out of movies. I, you've got to start thinking about moving uh, the podcast to another year pretty soon. There's a lot of movies, but yes. But um, we're just running out of great ones. Yeah, you're yeah. running out of good movies. Yeah. Um. It, That's I, not true, listeners. We have years, years. <laughs> we do. And I would also say, too, we have great guests that are going to come in for maybe movies that aren't great, which will hopefully balance the scales. That's why you're here. And then you have me <laughs> no, for this you know movie. I mean. It's the exact opposite. We we have you here to be that guest who's going to yeah. lift this up. Yeah. Because if, if, if it weren't- Oh, my if, God. No, I'm serious. I if know, it weren't, I if totally it weren't agree with you. you or someone of like you know your high, your high bar- this movie and the podcast about it would die on the vine. <laughs> yeah. 
It's true. Like, could you imagine if it was just me and you in the room talking about this movie? And in the king, it would be fifteen minutes. It'd be, it'd be like, fuck this. Yeah, fuck that. But I, but, but, I, yeah. but that's why I'm so interested as someone who you know we never saw this movie before. Someone who's yeah. seen it before multiple times, went back to it obviously, and then then brought it up. Like, what was it about it that I? I mean, the cultural conversation and where we were in 1999 versus now is really interesting to look at this through. No one would make this movie now. If they did, it would get blasted. Like, A-list would yeah. not go near, I hope, would yeah. not go near this movie right now. But hey, You have to wonder about the studio exactly. Like, who was running 20th Century Fox in 1999? Because, like, someone said, like, Go. Here's a hundred million dollars to make a fucking. Well, like, I mean, what? we were kind of, you know, the nineties, we were kind of in the height of costume period dramas. You had mm. Merchant Ivory movies, mm. you know, coming out and those, I, I feel like this and was 20th Century well. Fox yeah. trying to do a room with a view kind sure, of, sure. you know, they, and it is beautiful. Like the movie is gorgeous. If you look, if, Absolutely if you look at again. the, um, the five best picture nominees the year before, yes, all period dramas. Really? Yeah. You had the two Elizabeth, Elizabethan movies. You had Shakespeare in Love and Elizabeth. Interesting. You had Life is Beautiful. Mm. You had Thin Red Line and you had Saving Private Ryan. Yeah, so that's true. right before, and several of those were, were really, I'd say at least three were really fantastic, incredible mm-hmm. movies. True. So it's obviously possible to make a movie that, that's this good. But I, yeah. I would, so I don't know if you know this, um, I wrote an entourage. Oh, I know. <laughs> <sighs> My favorite Kenny Nyberg fact. It's the only <laughs> and Hunter it, Covington. It's favorite. the only fact. Um, so I, I did. I, I wrote on Entourage. And um, there, are some mo- there are movies every once in a while that come out mm-hmm. that I would consider Entourage movies. And that is, they sound really good on paper. Yeah. Like, exactly. Just like, you know, Medellin. Sounds, We're going to do the movie about Pablo, Pablo Escobar. That sounds really good. Ferrari, Aquaman. you know, uh, Aquaman. Yeah, Aquaman. Yeah. Aquaman was actually initially played as a joke. So that's uh, it's kind of different. Like an Aquaman James was James Cameron's like, Aquaman, you mean? Well, after James Cameron came on, that's when the idea. Sorry. The, no, but if you, I mean, I obviously know the show really well. I was, through the I was there Aquaman the entire time. The, the Aquaman development the, process. The Aquaman thing was I would never play Aquaman. It's a joke. Look at this suit. It's horrible. Yeah. And then James Cameron was on it. They're like, oh, wait, they're taking this really seriously. Right, right. right. But, you know, like, look, the first episode of, of the show, Vince was going to do Matterhorn. Like, what's a more entourage movie than we're going to do Matterhorn? Now, weirdly, like, Hollywood's gone in such a horrible direction that, like, all these other like movies like that have got made. This is this is an entourage movie, and that's like some some guy I was totally like, agree. "Let's do the real story of the King and I," and that's all. And he, like, did yeah. you know King and I was based on a real story? And there's war, and yeah. there's love, and there's all this, th- and no one actually thought beyond that. Like, is there actually a story there? Is there anything interesting there? So that's do. I mean, truthfully, is it? There's that, and then there's also the King and I taking the cultural insensitivities out of the equation, sort of like they told this story and they did it in an entertaining way for good or for bad. What does, what freshness does this bring to that story? That's the thing that I find that's sort of the strangest part of it. Like I don't, there's not much reinvention going on here, stripping the music out of it and trying to create romantic chemistry between Jodie Foster and Chow Yun-Fat is, yeah. it's like, what are you doing? These two people are great actors. I don't have a problem with either of them, but they're just, he's, he's struggling in the scenes with her because she's a heavyweight and he's, I think he has some language barriers that he's struggling with as well. It's just, it's a lot. And I I, honestly, I buy him more than her. I like, I don't don't buy any of it. I, I, 
Okay. I, like I, I truly, I, I hate that the that these two people mm-hmm. were romanticized in the way they were, particularly him. Well, that's yeah. um, I hate it. Like I think that that that's not that's not an object of desire. That guy's a war criminal. So um, I didn't really understand. And it's so my roommate Melissa also really liked this movie as a kid, and she has not watched it in quite some time either. And I asked her, you know, why did you like it as a kid? And I think to your sort of earlier point, the the, the sweep of it, the scope of it, it's beautiful to look at. You know, if you're if you're a a young person and you're just sort of looking for something to kind of like pull you into a into a new world, I think this movie is very successful at doing that. Like as I started the movie, I was like, wow. I mean, this is a top-notch production, yeah. And you can't help but be sort of swept up in it to a certain extent. Um, so I don't know. I, I it works on some levels. I don't know. I, I think that it does work for some people. And, and listen, it wasn't a total failure at the box it office. It did pretty well. Yeah, it did. You fine. know. So just to give some context for people, uh, Anne and the King opened on December seventeenth, nineteen ninety nine, in sixth place with five point two million dollars behind Stuart Little and Bicentennial Man. I cannot wait for our Bicentennial Man. Yeah, what are you so. talking about? The no good movies left. <laughs> I've, I've never actually seen Bicentennial oh, Man. That, so. that, that is going to be a stellar episode because that movie makes no fucking sense. I, I've never seen it either. Oh, and Kenny, I, you're in for a treat. You know that that movie takes place over like 250 years. Or 200. That would make more sense. Well, whatever. I think it's... <laughs> anyway. I've never even seen it. Bicentennial and a half, yeah, yeah. man. It's over 200 it's the years. sequel. To be fair, it's over 200 years. Uh, anyway, the movie went on to make $113 million on a $92 million budget. So not a lot of money made, obviously. But it wasn't a failure. It wasn't an unmitigated disaster. I don't think anybody lost their jobs over this movie. But I think some people really liked it. I don't know. I mean, it's got 51% on Rotten Tomatoes. That's higher than a lot of the movies we've covered recently. I think, you know, and I, I think it, it even, it, even though there were that like Thailand didn't want anything to do with it, wouldn't let them film there. Yeah. When still it's banned yeah. there uh, as are most versions of Anna and the King, like the King and I, all of that. Yeah. Um, but the movie makes some like very 19th, 99 head fakes towards being politically yes. correct. Yes. Like it, yeah. it and occasionally, yeah, oh, yeah. 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 It, it tries to throw a few things in where it's like, we're equalizing all perspectives and yeah. Yeah. the British are just as bad as the barbarian type, you know, like yeah. it, 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 it doesn't succeed. But I think yeah. like in that time when white people were having less of a conversation about racial insensitivity, like, it probably got past a lot more raiders than it would now. Totally did. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think people looked at like I don't think people looked at it the way people yeah. would look at it. Look, people I don't think people looked at it then the way people would look at it today. Which is the which is my biggest my yeah. my, my biggest visceral reaction to this movie is how blind it is. Um yes. to the way the world actually is yeah. um even then and 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 how blind Anna's character was like what it, it kind of killed me. And I don't really, I don't think this is the truth of of the of Anna Leon Noen's story mm-hmm. anyway. I think it's just the way she presented it, as you were saying. But I hate this idea that a British woman, by virtue of just being a British woman, is able to have an audience with the King of Siam whenever she wants, talks to him like he's nobody. Yeah. Um. He he gives her probably more respect than she gives him. Yeah. And there's no reason. Every other woman in the movie is a concubine. So, um, 
that that in yeah. that in and of itself is so hard for and then again why is he attracted to her i think it's because it's the only woman who has ever stood up to him in any way been a human or the rest person, of, they're, they're all just sex objects yeah it's really hard to build yeah. a romance with somebody who has 60 wives that's yeah. that's a very important screenwriting writing lesson this movie <laughs> teaches you it really uh yeah it, I, I mean i don't i, I don't I don't know what the. I wish I wish someone could explain to me why they made this movie. Well, they, that's. But, I mean, th- that's you know. probably why. In the end of the day, they didn't actually kiss. Right? They didn't actually kiss or sleep together in the movie. You just had the prince in voiceover at the end saying that was my father and the woman he loved. I think obviously they did in the King and I. Right. So I yeah. think that that's why they did that because they did ultimately come down on the. It's hard to build a romance around a guy who has 60 wives, but... But I think there's also something to be said for the fact that, like, there's very little romantic chemistry between these two actors. And I think on a certain level, if you had crackling romantic energy between these two, Hollywood doesn't shy away from that shit, as we just discovered be, on the Bone Collector it'd be, episode. It'd be interesting. <laughs> it, would, it would have been interesting if it was a person with whom yeah. Chai Fat or yeah. vice versa, Jodie yeah. Foster... Had more chemistry. I mean, I, 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 I found this. I don't want to go there anyway. There's so. an interesting article that I found talking about how controversial this this movie, this property, this woman, this book, everything. And they said, controversial from the start, this story nevertheless continues to thrive, contrasting old and new, east and west, patriarchy with women's rights, freedom and slavery, facts mixed with exaggeration or even fiction. And I think there is something to that. There is a lot of that, like putting two things next to each other and trying to sort of extrapolate things from that yeah now to your point the head fakes are kind of the problem which is that they kind of like make motions towards making commentary about these things and then kind of pull away from it which i think is kind of problematic as well yeah well i mean like there's that right off the bat there's that moment with her servants who are from india where she says something like india is britain now and they do like the cutaway to the servants being like yeah you know and it's just just like oh we're in that movie now okay oh i the the film we're still gonna be racist (laughs) but we're also gonna say that's bad Yeah. Yeah. yeah there's also so uh Many historians believe that Anna embellished details, as we said, in her books, not just about the facts that happened, but also about herself. For example, historians believe that she was born in India in 1831, not Wales in 1834. Uh, she was hired to teach English, not as a governess. Uh, she included a story of a consort and a monk being publicly tortured and then burned, but no one else, including many foreign residents of Bangkok, told of such an incident. Like, there just seems to be a lot of her just kind of making shit up it seems yeah yeah i was doing research on this too because i'm a nerd and uh, (laughs) one of the in her first book that she wrote the story about the concubine getting killed is not in there and then she wrote a second book that was more kind of salacious it's called like knights in the harem or something like that so she wrote a romance yeah Yeah. basically and that's that's this is where that's where kind of the the worst stuff shows up but yeah like there's i read a quote from the concubine who gets killed tucked him, her granddaughter, yes. who's like, yeah, she didn't get killed. That didn't, didn't oh, happen. Really? Yeah, she became one of his wives. Like, none of that happened. Yeah. And she still has descendants, so that's Super, a little that's, awful. That's actually the only interesting part of the movie. That little section, the tucked him yeah. section. Well, Bai Ling, Ling is, is great. He's really yeah. good in it. It's crazy how good Bai Ling is, yeah. isn't it? I looked her up, yeah. on, in, I looked her up on Twitter. Yeah. To like see if we could tweet at her because yeah. she's she not on there. No, she is. We she's, should. She's like super active and like seems maybe gettable even. Well, like she's like in that. a lot of a uh, lot of genre stuff, so she goes to a lot of cons. Listen, so, we should we should uh, tweet at her. She had a, I mean, she had a big ninety nine. 
She did have a, I mean, we've talked about her in Wild Wild West. Yes. Oh, God. Where, she's, uh, she, where, where she was where sexualized. East meets West. Yeah. So she was, uh, she was, she was sexualized in, in a way that, that like made me feel so icky. Yeah. But she is great in it. And her, the, to your point about how there's so many plot lines going on in this movie, and it's ping-ponging around to all of them. But then I also... So this podcast is a good tribute to the movie in that way. Yes. We're going <laughs> to we're gonna ping-pong like a motherfucker around this movie. But I do think... So my roommate walked in uh, to our TV room to see me watching the movie the other day. And I asked her sort of some questions about like why this happens and why this. And she's like, yeah, I don't know why. She Like just re-watching it again, she was sort of hit with how kind of nonsensical a lot of it is. Mm-hmm. But I said to her... The weirdest thing about this movie is that every scene between Jodie Foster and Chai Fat could be the last scene in the movie. Like, you'd be like, oh, and the <laughs> movie's over. And I would, and nothing it's has changed. Show, that's true. Nothing has moved. Yeah. yeah. Okay, credits. I think one of the weird things this movie does is that they show Chai Fat developing. Yes. His character is yes. definitely, and, and the only thing Anna changes is she takes off her hat that she sleeps in. Like, she literally, that's it. Yeah. She doesn't unbend yeah. she at, all. at all. And ultimately, the reason why the romance doesn't wor- progress between them from a character point of view is that she won't move. Like, sh- she's an immovable she refuses object. Yeah. to adapt in yeah. any way. She likes it there, but she likes it because she's created a little British sphere for herself. Well, I think that speaks a little bit to colonialization as well on a certain level like that idea of sort of countries that take over other countries and say like now you're going to do it this way as opposed to this way absolutely and if that was the point the movie tried to make that, that would, would have been work. it would have worked but no, the fact that, that they still yeah, try to yeah. force the romance and you're like well why can't it work oh because she's still awful like it doesn't go there because <laughs> she's still because she's still racist yeah yeah that, that too yeah, yeah. That, that, that seemed to be the big kind of guy's a king that seemed to be the, <laughs> seemed to be the the big barrier yeah. for her. I don't know what else it would yeah, be. I don't, I don't right? know what it is either. It's yeah. it is interesting though, thinking about it next to Ravenous. Sure, yeah, which that, was also that, a movie about colonialization. Did you not think about it? Are you serious? Or are you just fucking uh, with me? Well, colonialization. I, I'm because I do I'm think not, that that, I, I, I'm fucking with you. In the answer to your question. <laughs> so I should always <laughs> default to that. <laughs> but, but I uh, think that Ravenous is making a point about you know, colonialization and that idea of taking over other countries and peoples, peoples and, and sort of devouring people for lack of a better Mm -hmm. way. That's what that movie is doing. But I think this, and that movie is a much harsher condemnation of what happened in history. This movie sort of dips its toe into those waters and it's like, "Mm, I'm really okay. Not really making a commentary on The movie wants you to still side with Anna throughout like sure. it wants you to believe that she is the good british person who is you know egalitarian and she goes and yells at the other british but, but like when you get to the end of the movie it's like oh she's still just as bad like she's she yeah. doesn't think they're animals but that doesn't really get a parade like that's she clearly just still views yeah, her way as superior and that she and i think again to go back to the jody foster of it all there is kind of this the role feels beneath her a little bit. Like that she's sort of, I got paid $15 million to do this. She did? Yes. $15 million? Yes. This movie is so crazy. <laughs> so she gets paid $15 million. And by the way, I read an interview with uh, Andy Tennant. And we should talk about Andy Tennant's yes. career. Because he's actually got a really interesting that's career. That's another yes, reason yes. why it's crazy. And it's then crazy. when you get into the screenwriter's careers. It's also crazy. It, it's just, it's yeah. enough to knock you over. Yeah. So Andy Tennant. They try to shoot it in Thailand. They bend over backwards to shoot it in Thailand. They do all these rewrites, and eventually Thailand's like, go fuck yourself. So 
They're like, okay, we're going to shoot it in Malaysia. And Andy Tennant said that he was scared to call Jodie Foster to tell her this because one of the major reasons she wanted to do it was because it was going to shoot in Thailand. It was going to be the first movie to, one of the first movies to shoot in Thailand, you know, about its history and all that sort of stuff. So he calls her and apparently, obviously she said she would do the movie. I imagine the price tag probably had something to do with it in the big check that he was bringing to her house but he brought a publisher's yeah, yeah. 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 That's, how, that's how Andy Tennant does it isn't that yeah. how all movie yeah, stars get paid yeah, that's how I thought yeah. but it's I do true. think that that it does feel a little beneath her like I do kind of feel like and that adds to that kind of aura that Anna's character has I think a little bit too of like I'm better than these people a little bit I think she may have figured out it was beneath her once she got there but to speaking to the speaking to the entourage thing, yes, this sounds like a killer role. <laughs> it does, you know, it's, yes, it does. It's just on paper. It's like you're going to play this yeah. already well known, yes. already beloved character in, in the first completely serious iteration of that. Like it could only be you, Jody. And I, 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 I could I see guess. that. I could see that cell working. But then once you got there, it was probably like, well, and, and I think that. <laughs> <laughs> the movie, the script, such as it was, like needed Jodie Foster because they rely so much on her innate intelligence. Mm-hmm. Yes. Because Anna is not smart, but she has to be perceived as smart. Like yeah. everything she does is wrong. Yeah. Throughout the entire film. And and if you didn't have someone who reads as extremely intelligent and that comes off as being stubborn instead of stupid, yeah. the movie would be unwatchable. Well, let me ask you this. Have you heard the alternate castings that almost happened for this nope. movie? These are they amazing. offered it to almost everyone. They did om- offer it to almost everyone. Several but, charmed but actresses. Two charmed actresses. Yeah, Shannon oh. Doherty and Alyssa Milano were both offered the role. Okay, you're 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 you're, you're that's not true. <laughs> that listen. So there's that. Come on. <laughs> So wait, that, that just invalidates. Now the two other the, the two other actresses that were offered it makes sense, which is Kate Winslet and Emma Thompson, both of which turned it down. Now I understand both of those. I mean, Kate Winslet was young, like all the, and the charmed actresses. They were both young. I mean, I want to see the Shannon Doherty version of this movie just because it's bonkers. To me, honestly, the Alyssa Milano version is even more far flung. <laughs> But you know, because that because it's the, the one in my head that keeps popping in is like, how would Alyssa Milano have done this? <laughs> so, but the Emma Thompson, I could see. I get that. That yeah. I get, and I actually think, and I love Jodie Foster. Yeah, I think Emma Thompson probably would have been better in this role because she could have taken the moments she was wrong and added some humor into it, and a say. yeah, and yeah. a realization of of being wrong. And right. Jodie Foster is. Jodie Foster is never wrong, and I'm not saying that's a bad thing. Like I, she's also never light. Yeah, I can't I recall a movie right. where she gets proved wrong about things. No, she's always very headstrong. She's, and she's extremely and she's high always, status, right? Which, and that's one of the reasons why I love Jodie Foster. And when the role suits that, like for instance, you know Ellie in Contact or Larry Starling in in Sansa Lambs, you're just like you're in. Emma Thompson could take a scene that, for instance, the scene in um, At Night at the Beach. When she's like in her pajamas or whatever, and he's just, I don't know, there and they have this like scene is supposed to be a light, cute scene. And it's it's moderately effective at doing that. But had it been Emma Thompson, I think that whole scene would have just come to life because she would have just made it feel lighter and funner and just sort of whereas Jody is just kind of not doing that, really. Emma Thompson is the first draft version. Like, obviously, that's who you want. Yeah. yeah. It, it just, it's clear as day. Yeah. 
Um, and Kate Winslet also, to me, makes a lot of sense. Yes. I mean, but what you really need, and I know she didn't play Anna in King and I, but Julie Andrews. Yeah. You need Julie Andrews to 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 knock something the, like this out of the park. It's the only like, she, yeah. and I can't think of who does exactly what she does. Kind of think Emily Blunt could have done it today. Maybe I mean well, it gets. She is, if you, she's going to be Mary Poppins, if but you, you know what I mean? Like, I think just the romance aspects. Yeah, I I think that could work. But when you start adding in like who's and hangings and like yeah. all of the weird <laughs> political machinations, yeah, yeah. that this movie gets into, suddenly I'm like, yeah. why is there kind of a lightweight in this role? This doesn't make any it's, sense it's, either. Then, then it's then it's because like then that it's like movie. maybe Meryl Streep. Like I, then, seriously, because yeah. because now you now you're the only person I can think of who does all that. Yeah. Who could maybe could do it in things. one movie is well, but I think also we're talking a little bit too about how this movie is a little out of Andy Tennant's depth, and I, I, I <laughs> yes, and, and I say let's, that let's talk about how deep that pool is. <laughs> I, here's the thing: Ever After is a great movie. Is only good movie. No, Sweet Home Alabama is a good movie. Oh, I don't agree, but okay, but that did that did very well. Sweet Home Alabama is a fun movie. I'm I love it's a, Sweet I think Home it's Alabama. a fun movie. Yeah, and I think that and and listen. I, I don't think Hitch is a great movie, but I understand why people like that movie, and I understand why it made as much money as it does or did. I, I think that he just he just shouldn't have made this movie, and I and it I understand that in in his head and my I, what I would imagine is 20th Century Fox's head of but he did Ever After, so he's he's okay and he can do period, and he can do sweeping romance, and had the romance worked in Anna and the King, I think a lot of the movie would have worked. Yeah, I don't know. I, I I didn't know that he had done Ever After till I, I was looking right. this up, and and I think Ever After has a lot of the same problems romantically that this have, and just mm. also kind of content wise, where it's kind of on the surface trying to be a serious movie. Yeah, and no, I don't disagree. Not, but it works yeah. a little better because I think the charm of Drew Barrymore. The charm of that sort of, it's also, it's a lighter story. It's a fairy yeah, tale. It's you know what I mean? was like, going to say. Yeah. Aimed the toward the younger yeah. audience. The expectations and that works of better. that movie yeah. are much lower. For me, very movie. low. It's because yeah. it's, it's kind of an adjacent Cinderella movie, which yeah. I, I like. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I already know that they're not trying to be faithful to anything that's come before this movie. The the, the <laughs> expectations. I know. They're sky high. I know. I, like, I don't know like what you can, what, 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 you, what really the right analog is for, for a movie like I this. I but uh, like an Elizabeth. You know, it's it's like yeah. like that kind of. You I mean, need, you need to be that perfect. Do you know that this was the largest constructed set, second to only Cleopatra? Wow! Like this, the, this movie was just gargantuan in size, and it's just it's very strange to think about. To your earlier point, like this would never get made today for a, for a myriad of reasons, but but, but that's why. So so you so you have. The second largest sets ever constructed. You're shooting in Thailand, then Malaysia. You yeah. $92 this, million. Dollars. You have this revered story, yeah. um, but for better or worse. Yeah. And you offer the world of Shannon Doherty. <laughs> I, that's, I, like, that's so crazy to me. I just, I, Listen, I, like, Shannon Doherty has unlooked at depth. I actually, I, I, untapped potential. I, 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 that I, that I, might be true. I, I like her more than most. Um, but, and the, but I also could have made the joke that you're giving it to the director if it takes two. Well, that well, you and, oh, come on. And let's just That's say it. Unfair. The no, screenwriters no, 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 of Star Trek 4, which in my opinion is the best Star Trek. Star Trek 4. Great but, but, but wait, of all of the choice. Star Trek movies? Are we including? Of all of the Star Trek wow. movies. Even the JJ movies? Even the JJ movies? I'm, that's oh, a, wow. Bite your tongue. Oh, my. 
But <laughs> oh no, my. I'm not kidding. going to publicly express my opinion <laughs> on a lot of J.J. Abrams content. But oh, I, um, think, I, I think we should because we're going to be done with Anna the King in T minus <laughs> five minutes. No, 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 the synopsis is going to take an hour. But uh, well, if we do it, um, but I mean the. The the funny thing about these writers to me yes. is all right. So they write the best Star Trek movie yes. without a prior without credit. question that can't be questioned. It's, um, the best. it's very good. It shall not be questioned. <laughs> it their, has whales. Their follow up it does have humpback whales. Their follow up is a movie I've never heard of, which is called Back to the Beach. Don't know that movie. Who would? Oh, it's a Frankie. It's a Frankie Avalon movie. What? It's Frankie and Annette, <laughs> which you could see. Kenny's well, do you know right Frankie now. and Annette are? Yes. Like and you know, yeah, 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 yeah. Funuchella. There was a movie with them when they were old in 1987 <laughs> yeah. as old. parents oh, it appears Lori Laughlin was their daughter and these guys oh, wrote it. That's their second movie. What's their third one? It's even better than this. Double Impact. Wait, that, is that the Jean-Claude Van Damme twin movie? Where he plays twins. <laughs> so this is, this, is, this is what we're working with. And then it was Anna and the King? And then eight years later, they came back with Anne and the King. So wow. I can't believe they gave the director of It Takes Two, sorry, that's unfair, Fool's Rush In, to- uh, Dude, he's made hundred- better movies. You're not being fair to any tenant. I mean, listen, The Bounty Hunter is not a good movie. I'm not going to say that it is. But I think that he's made movies that made a lot of money. And he's- You're not he, giving I, Sweet Home He Alabama makes fine credit. movies. He makes, he makes They're nice fine. movies. Yeah. He's- Whatever. I mean, like, you know. But to your earlier point, what? you're giving the guy, you're giving the writing team of Double Impact. That's correct. And the, the let's just say the director of Sweet Home Alabama, which is also which, absurd. Which hadn't come out yet. No, I know. So that's, I know. Well, that's not fair. The, the movie right before this was Ever After. So, like, he, I guess but he cashed his really, check. But that did really, really, yeah. Well. Yeah. Really well. I guess he cashed his check and said, I want, I've always it's wanted to tell movie. It's that, but it's like it's the um, weirdest blank. Check I movie. swear to God, it's so. I, I sorry to keep bringing it up. It's so entourage for like. <laughs> I feel like he like has a success, and he's like, oh my god, he's like, now I can do my passion project, the real story of Anna and of, the King, of the King and I. And it's like we'll call it Anna and the King. They'll never know that they will. Ah! I mean, I, I think that part of it, I think that is maybe one of the worst things to say about this movie is that it's not. It's dancing around big ideas, and it's not really landing on any of them. Yeah. Like I, I think that it thinks it's a it's a progressive feminist movie. I imagine that it probably does. I mean, Anna's name comes before the king, for instance. Well, that was the name uh, of her yeah. book, though. Oh, was it? Yeah, okay. it was Anna and the King of fair Siam, enough. and the original film that's adaptation right. yeah. in the forties oh, was okay, that's what it was called. Um, yeah, I mean, I I'm going to give the synopsis of this movie just because you know I should. Uh, Anna, played by Jodie Foster, Our has expected. Anna, played by Jodie Foster, has been employed to educate the kings Chow Yun Fat, fifty eight children in Siam. Uh, she knows very which, little of which the Which later they say is 68. I know yeah, it's, it's weird. Say well, he has a bunch of pregnant concubines, so they're True, just giving birth off kids. screen. Yeah. <laughs> Could have happened. Uh, she That's knows almost very... definitely what happened. <laughs> 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 she knows very little of the king, apart from the fact that his people revere him as a god. She brings with her an East versus West prejudice against the king, considering him to be uncivilized. She soon real, uh, realizes that her views are more than matched by the ruler's own pre- preconceptions about the West, and particularly this impertinent English woman. I mean, that is a synopsis of the movie. Um, a synopsis. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> anyway, um, I, it's, I, I, there are a couple things that I find interesting about Thailand pushing back on this movie too. Um, they apparently had real problems with the fact that, that Jodie Foster appears more prominently on the posters than the King does. Oh, 
which I think is interesting. Uh, they also had real problems with the king eating with common chopsticks when he should have been using a spoon. Like, these are all things that they got very up in arms about, which I think is, I just think it's interesting. I would imagine what they, they were pretty irritated that the king is not Thai. Yeah. Also a big issue. For yeah. Them. And well, that he, I mean, that's, that's pretty insulting. I'm going to, I'm, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to go the other direction. Oh, okay. Anna is not British. So, <laughs> sure, sure, sure. I, I, I just like it's that that's just, I, I like I get that. I've seen you know I see that with other other movies. I mean, I remember it didn't actually happen, but The Rock was going to make a movie where he played um, King Kamehameha, Hawaiian King. He's not Hawaiian. There's a lot of pushback on that. Sure. It's hard. Like sometimes, like it's hard to find a, a an actor of Chow Yun Fat's caliber who can deliver those lines in English. Sure. So that's. You know, it's like I, I, I get it. It's it's the first time they've ever had a real prominent Thai character mm-hmm. in an American movie like that. Biling's not Thai either. But um what are you gonna do? It's like I mean it's not know, like it's not like making Scarlett Johansson ghost in the show. No, no but I, I mean, can understand why the Thai people were upset yeah. about it. Like, well, like I didn't yes. care that, us Yes. In, though, the, yeah. though some people you know. do care. I didn't care that Daniel Day Lewis played Abraham Lincoln, you know? Oh, so like, sure. But some people do care about that stuff. Well, there are people that, that are pissed off that uh, Henry Cavill plays Superman. I don't know. Well, that's Wait, a fictional why? character. Because he- he's American? Yeah. No, he's British. He's but British, but they... Superman is a most all-American. They didn't get a real Kryptonian to play <laughs> Superman? Is that what I'm hearing? Yeah, yes. Those people are not my friends. But, um, but I'm just... I'm speaking of the fact that people put labels on characters, fictional or otherwise, and then people yeah. fucking with that freaks them out. But, but to... In terms of the, the the Thailand angle, I just don't think there was ever a world where Thailand was going to be okay with them shooting this movie. I don't think. Well, I mean, they was... haven't been okay with any of the versions yeah, of the yeah. story, and yeah. and I mean, understandably, they probably should have, especially been. if she's making fake claims that he burned his wives yeah. or beheaded them or yeah. whatever, and yeah. you know that's documentedly not true, and the movie keeps that in. Like, it's problematic. Yeah, it's, it's a problem- disaster. Like, I mean, really, I, yeah. yeah. Like, like, I mean, we, you know. The term problematic obviously comes up a lot in this podcast because so many movies from 20-ish years ago are problematic. This is like worse. This is a disaster. This is this is a this is a, a counterfactual history. I know. Told from the perspective of, of Westerners yep. about a country where, you know, like admittedly he was probably a pretty terrible guy. Yeah. At that he was time. apparently not. Well, by by, by modern standards. standards. By I mean, even by modern standards, he had been a Buddhist monk for 27 years before he became king. And so at least by accounts of Thai people, he was a pretty nice guy and did make a lot of reforms to slavery and forced marriage and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, mean, the postscript on the film does say that, you know. It was his son, but but – I yeah. guess what I'm kind of saying is kind of in the way that Thomas Jefferson was probably a terrible guy, but yeah, also I, like he was comparable to the other and, monarchs sure, of yes, the time. Also sure. wonderful in a lot of ways, but yeah. you know Thomas Jefferson hasn't aged that well because of how bad he was in yeah. some aspects. Yeah, um, I mean, I think it's I I, I don't disagree. My, I would say that my, one of my biggest issues with the with the role, the writing of it, even the performance to a certain extent, uh, is that he everything's just way too chill. Do you know? Like he just seems kind of like fine with everything. Yeah, I agree. With He's you. just sort of shrugs everything off, and he doesn't really show any sort of real defiance or or anything even close to that until his daughter dies, mm-hmm. which is not really 
connected to the political upheaval that's going on in his country. No. He, and, and he doesn't. And, and he has 67 more. It's like, I don't know. But he liked that one. I, she was his favorite. Yeah. Like, I wouldn't even care if I lost it's my kidney. I'd be like, liked. I have a kidney. <laughs> but, you know, but you sort of know what I, like, the is, character she, is she, very. She was the cutest. Like, it's true. She was the cutest. She was the one who could speak English. But do you know what I mean? So like he doesn't, the most- he doesn't change. He doesn't evolve. He doesn't. He's he's pretty flat through it. And even at the end, when he shows defiance on the bridge or whatever, it's it's kind of half hearted. It doesn't feel. Yeah, it's it's a little fake. Well, it feels like he was in the version of this movie that is much closer to the musical and that characterization. I mean, there's right. a lot of homages That's to fair. Brenner's portrayal in yeah. what he does. Even in some of the lines, they they reference the musical. And Jodie Foster is playing a very different version of that character, and the movie is being a very different thing. But I feel like Chow Yun-fak did not yeah. get the note no. that this is not in the same tone. I, I don't yeah. know. That feels like a directing failure to me. Sure. Yeah, the director the ever after. Oh my god, <laughs> such a hater Sweet on eighty tenant. I, I just, I just, well, I, I just, I thought this would be a theme of the podcast. Well, because when I, when I, when I looked at this, I just, I just couldn't, be, I just, I just couldn't oh believe god. that he was entrusted with this. And I know things that you know. I watched um, totally different movie. I watched uh, Spider Man Homecoming mm-hmm, last mm-hmm. night with my kids. The fun movie. I think it's a fantastic. It's great. Movie. It's really good. I think it's fantastic. And the guy before had done Cop Car. Yeah. I mean, nothing against Cop Car, but he did one movie, yeah. right? You never know what someone's capable of. You never know what James Gunn is capable of until they're given, you know, the yeah. keys. But this was just a situation, I think, where you know, Ever After did really well. I imagine that he was being sent all sorts of big, lavish period piece type of things. Yeah, and he saw an opportunity at a, at a piece of IP that meant something, mm-hmm. uh, you know. And then you. I, I don't know. You lock down Jodie Foster and just like, okay, we're doing this thing. And it, it just, I don't know. It, it, I hear you. It's not a movie that needed to be made. Um, but I do think that there is some positive stuff in it. I don't think it's a complete write-off, despite the fact that it took me three sittings to sit down and actually watch the whole thing. I just feel like there is some, there there are some nice scenes between him and, uh, between Anna and the King. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know what I mean? I did I did feel I liked their dance. I thought that was actually very sort of a classically, you know, felt very old Hollywood, which I thought was was nice. I think I, I, I just couldn't help but notice that only the white people there were allowed to dance. Yeah. Except uh, for the king. Yeah. Like it just it just felt so it's a it's kind of gross. It gross. Like it just felt <laughs> gross. Yes, it's, like I, it's his, I can't defend it's, any it's of his that. fucking kingdom. You're treating it's like I mean, I'm not blaming him. Like yeah. that's the time, but yeah. there's just there's 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 this privilege that nobody acknowledges in the movie. You know, as if uh, it it didn't feel like colonization. It felt like like it's okay that the British people are allowed to impose their customs on. That's what the movie's about, essentially. That absolutely no. That, there's that, that, yeah. She she civilizes his kids, makes them better. Mm-hmm. And turns the prince into someone like that. The postscript yeah. of this movie is the prince became a great guy. Why yeah. did he become a great guy? The clear implication is because of Anna. Yeah. 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 Well, it definitely, it definitely feels that way. I mean, she leaves at the end. She's like, I've done my, my work is done yeah. here. It's not clear why she leaves at the end. That's yeah. what, I was watching it with my husband and, and we got to the end and she's like, I still have to go. And you're like, why? Why, why yeah. do you have to go? Where are you going? <laughs> There's, yeah, there was, you were going because you were mad at him yeah, and now you're yeah. not mad at him. So yeah. The, that kind of doesn't work. She should have been really mad at him. What do you do? Be beheading by Ling and, and... Yeah. 
Yeah, that's, I, I don't know. It, I was, I am glad the movie makes that decision her fault because at least something is Anna's fault. Yeah. Like she screws up everything repeatedly and like. That's her fault because of the note? No, she no. she has the outburst at the oh, trial for oh, right, her right. and says like, I can talk to the king. I can tell him what to do. And right. after that, the king is like, no, you can't say that. If I oh. now step in like I was going to and save her, they're That's all fair. going to think I'm weak and I'm going to get overthrown. So it, it at least sort of puts that problem on her mm-hmm. for overstepping. So it's good that, again, the movie I agree with head you. fakes there yeah. a, a little bit and tries. He's put in an unwinnable situation and, and yeah. kind of does what he has to do. Yeah. Again, if she were anybody else in that room, yeah. she would have been beheaded. So yeah. it's just yeah. like... Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. The beheading scene was pretty graphic. I thought, it, I thought it was the best it, scene in the movie. It's beautiful it's and actually horribly well graphic. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's, it's very. I wasn't saying it wasn't well done. But yeah. I was like, wow, they went it's for a, it. It's another one of those like, what the hell movie am I watching? This looks <laughs> yeah. like something out of House it's, of Flying Daggers. Yeah. Why is this in here? Yeah. Like, it yeah. doesn't. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't stick to Elaine in any real way. Well, the violence was so extreme for a period drama. And I mean, Elizabeth was pretty gra- – there was some graphic stuff in that too. It starts with people getting burned alive. But it's yeah. just – it's weird, again, when yeah. you're telling this story that's based on a Rodgers and Hammerstein <laughs> lightweight yeah. musical. Yeah. Like at least Elizabeth's yeah. history, we know that was never pleasant. Yeah. There's no nice version you ne- of You've never seen Elizabeth the musical? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's – I mean – Part of it too, as I was watching it, thinking like, oh my God, how is this two and a half hours? I was trying to think of like, what could be pared down? What could be, and why was it so long? And I think part of it is this grandeur, this idea of trying to make an old Hollywood movie. And with that comes a running time. Like it, it almost feels like it just has to be long. You, you remind you know? me right now of The Doctor who's just pushing on the patient's chest over and over again. <laughs> it's dead, Phil. There is no way to make this movie better. It was See, dead from the start. <laughs> my thought was, this is a mini-series. If you oh, want to work in... No, if Longer. You, if you want to actually get into the subtleties of the political situation, everything, sure, this is sure. a six-part mini-series, and it very easily could have been, and then all of those plots would have had some room to actually breathe instead of, like, you get two scenes of betrayal and two right. scenes of a concubine having a love affair and, like, yeah. and nothing makes sense. You remind me of Dr. Frankenstein now. <laughs> <laughs> I remind many people of Dr. Frankenstein. But I, I mean, I do think that 
I don't, I, I mean, listen, I don't know, but I think that if you trimmed 15 or 20 minutes out of this movie and you actually just tried to crystallize it a little bit more and either pull one of these plot lines or at least sort of fine tune them enough, because it feels like there's like three storylines, really. There's, there's Anna and the King, there's the Burmese sort of, uh, the uprising, the uprising yeah. and then the, the Bailing stuff. Which, which sort which of is a subplot, which is a which subplot. Like, but those three things that matters. Had they, they been matter. honed in, there's just a lot of air in it. There's a lot of just like looks of longing. There's a lot of just like look at how much we spent on our sets. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like there's a lot of that. And I, I, I honestly do think that had this movie been shorter, it first of all would have been a better movie. But I also just think it would have just been concise. It's just not. It's just. It's just all over the place. Yeah, he, well, I, the the war plot, the whole Burmese thing, yeah. I don't know why any of that is yeah, in there. It doesn't contribute to character growth in any way. Yeah. Like, you could excise that entire section yeah. and have approximately the same arc for everybody. Yeah. I, I think, kind of speaking to Phil's point about there's an expectation of running time, I think yeah. there's also an expectation of warfare. Yeah. Um, or or body count almost. I think they I also guess. wanted. I mean, with an adaptation of a musical, <laughs> like I, if they remade Oklahoma, I would not be like, well, <laughs> where's the massacre? Like it's yeah. you know. I think that I'm not. I'm not even just saying this. I'm not even just saying this. If you want to, yeah, because if you're going to try to tell the story of like kind of, you know, frontier times in America and say this is the story Oklahoma's based on, I think there would be an expert. If you're getting real, be a body and, count of some sort. I, well, there is in Oklahoma. Yeah, there is Judd, it's, but. Um, but, but I think that I think would be that a it's, terrible movie. Terrible. But don't you also feel like they wanted, and, and it shouldn't have been in the movie, but they inject these action sequences into it that are sort of half-hearted as well. It's, but then this big, the big bridge the thing bridge, at the yeah. end where they're just looking for a climax. They're looking for something yeah. big and a trailer moment of some sort. Um, but it makes no sense. You don't what even the need- fuck is happening? They shoot fireworks or something and that scares everybody away? They think that the... British no are on their side because they hear the bugle, the kid playing the bugle, and they oh think the God. British. Is, oh so the, the, the message is really: that. you don't even need real British people to, to just save your nation. Yeah, you yeah. just you, you just, just need the threat <laughs> of British people yeah. to save. They should have just brought Anna out and said, "We got one." Yeah, and they were like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> "No, <laughs> she's white." But like, I will say, the explosion was pretty cool. I thought when that guy, I mean, when he's running down the bridge and it blows up, I was like, that's yeah. pretty decent for, for 99. Bridge, uh, yeah, on the I have quad. to say, well, I looked at that shot yeah. where it explodes behind yeah. him and was like, how the hell did How'd they, they do, do that? that? Yeah. I mean, there's a model for the wide. Yeah. But then that shot there's of him running. There's a close-up yeah, of him I was running. Like, and that's fu- it looked impressive. Yeah. Here, here's what Andy I Andy Tennant should do more action movies. <laughs> if there was, <laughs> if, if there were, like if anybody, I don't think anyone will ever touch this Material. This is the and only podcast that will ever talk about it. I don't think any podcast will ever talk about anything. That's true. We, we should we we should advertise it we that way on, on other people's podcasts. Yeah. But I think if anyone was ever to touch this kind of arena again, mm-hmm. you need a lot more judgment. I think I think you find yeah. I think you find the Thai yes. version of this story. I think that mm-hmm. would be interesting, and I think you need a lot more judgment on everybody in it because yeah. implicit in a romance, root for these two characters. And I did not root for these characters in any way, and not because I'm a jerk, because these kids, these kids, these people didn't deserve yeah. happiness, I thought, or that kind of happiness, romantic happiness. So I would. Well, because of his station, because of like what he, because he's. Because, yeah, yeah, well, he's, you know, he's. Yeah, a, yeah for, for a lot of reasons yeah. for him and for yeah. her, for a, oh, a lot it. of reasons too, I would take that out completely. And really? Try, yeah, I'd try to find what the real, I, assuming that's not the real story, which I don't think it is, yeah. and try to find what the real story is. 
and that might be interesting. But that might that, be that would require a complete flipping. There of is this. a completely interesting way to do this, I think, which is that you have this guy who was a monk, wasn't really interested in being a king, mm-hmm. and kind of got pushed into it. If you look at his back, like from the you know Wikipedia search I was able to do today, like <laughs> you you look into it, and then you have Anna who was widowed and kind of. Living yeah. by her wits and was one of the only thing that women could do at that point in time was be a teacher. And the two of them coming to a relationship, like the two of them struggling to figure out how to raise his kids mm-hmm. in a changing world and also coming to a respect for each other from similar positions in life of being in a life you're kind of more forced into than you choose to. That is an interesting story. Yeah, I, even that even I would you watch. just saying that right now made it, first of all, more honest with itself, more honest with telling the story. I think part of the problem is that it's been sanitized, it's been studioized, yeah. it's been turned. So what you're left with is this, to say, a Frankenstein sort of thing where it's like, well, that we'd, we'd much rather tell this story. It's not really what happened. And it's not really what this character went through, but we want to tell it anyway. And I think that... Because I think they were under the impression that it's a beloved story. I, and, and I mean... You know, I, I do. As I, to some extent, they I mean, this wrong. is like the fifth adaptation of it. Yeah. So it kind of, it's one of those ones that keeps coming back. But like well, hearing uh, what you were just saying about actually, his backstory. Phil, it's like the sixth. Are you aware that there was oh, an yeah, animated? Oh, yeah, we should talk about this fucking thing. Ugh. I read movie. that and I've in never heard. In yeah, in 99. Yeah. And it's not available anywhere. I was going to watch yeah. it this morning with my kids at like I tried seven, to find it too. And it literally isn't available The anywhere. trailer alone made me go like, wow. I mean, if you thought this movie was offensive. Uh, it's a Warner Brothers straight to video thing, wasn't it? Oh wow! But it was um who who uh, who does like the the it wasn't Bluth? No, no. Who does the um like the Frosty the Snowman's like ranking? Oh, okay. oh Rankin and Bass? Bass. It's a Rankin and Bass movie. It's, it's super. It's weird. crazy. And some of the voices, the voice work, just in the trailer, I was like, that is not okay. I'm it's, just imagining it in like Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer and like good. stop motion animation. It's and, not good. And somehow yeah. they got, it's not We will not motion. be covering it's, it's, this movie. It's really bad animation. Um, and it's it looks really like, it's, it looks like uh, on one hand, they just took a lot of Aladdin because they decided Thailand. A lot of Aladdin. Thailand and I, where, where does Aladdin take place? I watched it literally like a few days ago. It's in a fake country, but it's supposed to be the Middle East. Okay. Um, so they just decided it was the exact same. Like the like the the prince stories like with Tupton is basically Prince and um, Aladdin and, and Jasmine. Yeah, and then also married it to Little Mermaid. Yeah, it's, somehow they're just what? they're aping like from the, a like million the, different Disney. Oh, and also like Anastasia a little bit. Well, and, like with I Rasputin, mean, this was the era the era of Anastasia, which is another one of those like why was this made into a children's film movies yeah. that although there's a cool Anastasia movie to be made, I think. Like a live action yeah, one. Yeah, but not an animated. Yeah, It feels like the late 90s were a weird time for animation. Things were getting kind of a little strange. Bit. We were getting well, past were, the golden era of Disney, yeah. and no one knew quite what was They were next. kind of getting stuff. They were like pulling stuff out of out of a barrel, being like, maybe this yeah. story? You know, it's, it's interesting, because speaking of like kind of um, communists. Um, <laughs> oh, uh, my God. Last Emperor is kind of the mm. good version of, of this. what yes. this could yeah. be sure you know obviously there's a englishman in that well you're you're also speaking to sort of handing it to an international filmmaker of some sort that has a more sort of global perspective yeah, on things yeah. well then you know i have no doubt that is. there have been thai films made about this guy 
you know? Maybe. Just like, I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know much I about the know. Thai film industry, yeah. but I mean, yeah. like, it would be great to see a Thai movie of just this stupid English woman yeah. that well, it's also just yeah, it's showed a, it's, up it's, and ruined their country. <laughs> um, <laughs> I feel like uh, one of the things I wanted to talk about, too, was, and I, I posted this on Twitter, which I, which I think you saw, of what Jodie Foster can do without saying a line is just thoroughly impressive. And I said this about Tenzel Washington and the Bone Collector in her previous episode. And I stand by it, which is that there are very few actors that could have been silent movie actors. Do you know what I mean? That could actually just convey a depth of emotion and story on their faces. Yeah. And she's one of them. And listen, this character is problematic, as we've said. It's got issues. But, you know, there are moments when she's giving it and you're just like, you're just fucking awesome. Like, you're Jodie Foster. You're yeah, just well, fantastic. One of the amazing things about her is she's never, I never ever feel like Jodie Foster is concerned that she looks pretty. That's true. Ever. Yeah. You know, there, there's that shot where she's looking in the mirror and she's got her sleep bonnet on. She looks like she's 75 years old. She looks absolutely <laughs> yeah. terrible. And yeah. I mean, she's looking in a mirror. So, you yeah. know, like, this is a choice. She's angling yeah. her face to look as raw boned yeah. and prim as yeah. as possible and you know and then you, you in the next scene it's actually quite beautiful she looks gorgeous she suddenly looks like a 20 yeah. year old she's got her hair down mm-hmm. and you know that the lack of ego in her performances is mm-hmm. incredible while never having lost like her sense of self-awareness and her yeah. sense of, of self i don't know she's 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 a she's very fat like, once a in a generation career. actor yeah. Yeah, she's she's a very interesting, and as a filmmaker as well. Yeah. I mean, she's made some, I, I love Home for the Holidays. It's a great movie. It's a great movie. I think she's a tremendous director on top of being a tremendous actress. Um, I also feel like she's never sort of, to your point, um, you don't get the impression that she's afraid of anything, that she's afraid of perception of herself no. in any real way, which I think is is commendable. Um, she's great. Uh, she, to- she really hasn't, this is crazy to me. She really hasn't made a movie as an actor mm-hmm. um, five years. Well, she's got Hotel Artemis coming up. Hotel Artemis is the next one coming up. Which is an interesting yeah. choice. I, that I, I don't know. She, it's so funny to think like Jodie Foster was one of the original or I guess second generation of Disney actors. It, you know, yeah. she did Handle Shoe yeah. and, and all of those crazy Freaky Friday. And, and the caliber of actor that Disney actors once were. Yeah, she's I mean it's it's very interesting to see how she's picked her roles. Like I don't even is it is it just sort of maybe people aren't coming to her for that much? Um I don't know, but it does feel like I wish we were getting more Jodie Foster performances. I mean, I wonder how much of it is her. like she's very private That's and she may like want to me. stay out of the spotlight right. as much as possible. So she's doing a movie every now and then when she when she, you know, she needs some likes cash. something. Yeah. Or yeah, or when yeah. she just likes a script yeah. for some reason. But why she took this, man? <laughs> Fifteen million dollars. Yeah, fifteen million dollars, and and I don't know the opportunities for smart leading lady, like at least yeah. you know really prestigious leading lady roles weren't great. No, no, I agree. This is a this is a huge role in a big movie, and this is an Oscar yeah. play. Yeah, this is a this, and I know Absolutely. it's an Oscar play for Absolutely. obvious reasons, but also yeah. because there was a um, a slow poppy song at the end of it. Like, yes. Oh yeah, they're yes. like my heart will go on. Oh, it was on, so right? bad. Yes. It's a terrible, you, terrible, song. terrible. But when you put a like, when you have a have a <laughs> his, a, a period movie with a slow poppy ballad at the end, designed specifically to get nominated for you know to, to up the 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 count at the end. Yep. 
you know it's a big Oscar play. And they, like, believe it or not, that that was actually nominated for Golden Globe Best Song. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. The movie was nominated for two Oscars, right? I think it was they Art Direction art, and Costumes. Yeah, I mean, art, you spend $90 yeah. million dollars on a costume drama, yeah. you better get some Oscar nominations. Yeah, that's insane. In, in the 90s. That's so much like, money. That, that's insane. Yeah. Yeah. I, what was the budget on Elizabeth? I mean, that was a year Let's earlier. See. I bet it was a lot less. Yeah, yeah. It was a lot less. And that was a huge risk of a movie. But didn't have a movie star? N- that, no, not at all. Didn't have an, a Brit either. But can million, we talk about that movie? I love dollars. that movie. No, it's Let's talk about, movie. Yeah, that's an incredible movie. 30 million. 30 million. 30 million. I, mean, you can, yeah, I mean, over like, every once like in a while. production companies. Yeah, every once in a while, you'll, there'll be a movie like Elizabeth. Or, or it happens modern day too, where you have some period movie. Yeah period piece that looks incredible and you look at the budget you're like how do they do that for 45 million dollars yeah um this just, is just this is just bloated if we're being honest in terms of just too much money spent on a thing that you're just like okay I, i'm surprised it didn't get burned harder on it if i'm being completely honest with a two and a half hour running time that movie can't screen that many times and it made a you know you don't get to 100 million dollars worldwide without people probably seeing it more than once yeah so it's just it it worked for some people and i think that jodie foster's star wattage to a certain extent probably helped that but like to your point like looking at the movies that she does up to this movie and even after this movie she you know she does contact two years previous and then she doesn't do a movie until 2002 basically in panic room and and truthfully, it's kind of pulled out of, you know, uh, I don't want to say retirement, but that was supposed to be Nicole Kidman, and she got injured and couldn't do it. So it became Jodie Foster in Panic Room. Which I really love. And love. she's great in Panic Room. I really love she, Panic Room. She's yeah. wonderful. Yeah. She, she then does, like, a lot of Panic Rooms. Yeah, yeah she did Flight Plan. Yeah. Flight Plan. The Panic Brave. Room. The Brave one, yeah. Or the Brave one. Yeah, yeah, um, she does a lot of Panic Rooms. You know, and then she's an Inside Man. And she's, she's great so in Inside Man. fucking good in Inside Man. She's fucking great I in think, I think just because she is so private... Personally, it's really interesting to try to figure out why she takes the movies that she takes because they're strange choices they're strange. just yeah, across the board. The and, carnage, and you kind of ask, like, what is she? What is she interested in? You know, what is she looking for? I've never been able to figure it out. Other than smart leads, she wants to play. She did not want to play an idiot. No, <laughs> that is I, the one thing you could take away from it is that they better be fucking smart. I love, I mean, I, you know, we were talking about this with, again, the last episode with Denzel and De Niro mm-hmm. and some of those people. There's, um, there's a, there's a such thing as a Jodie Foster movie, mm-hmm. you know, in the way there isn't for a lot of actors. Sure. Um, this is not that. Like, Anna and the King is not a jo- Jodie Foster movie. You know, I'd say Pan- Panic Room and Flight Plan are like, and the Brave one especially, like are, yeah. are very much Jodie Foster movies. And you can go back. Onto the lambs, like yeah. it's it's this character we're talking about, um, and that's cool to me. And that's not a typical female lead. That's not a typical female protagonist. Um, There's also it's funny when you say all those movies together, they're all kind of action movies. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Like she's she well, they're physical. That's what I mean. Like yeah. there's a very there's a physical quality to these roles, which I think is really interesting. Like she is a visceral. I mean, even Sons of the Lambs is, you know what I mean? Like that's, that is a active physical performance. For sure. You know what I mean? She stops the killer with her bare hands. I mean, not bare hands, but with her, you know, with her body. So she's, it's, it's very, it's, it is impressive to see how she has found ways to be a very physical actress and to be a force to be reckoned with in, in a lot of her roles. I, I think that's, I'm, I'm guessing that probably comes out of her theater training to some degree. She, physicality is very important to her roles. You can, and, and I mean, what you were talking about earlier with how much she shows on her face, Mm -hmm. she's very characteristic of a a theater actor. Mm -hmm. And I think that's probably why she's drawn to film roles that let her, let her be whole body. They're not just only. She also understands how the camera sees her, which is part of being a director as well, but just sort of understanding 
how she will read, which yeah. is which you know, you know takes a lot of time. Weirdly, she kind of this conversation. She she kind of does remind me of Denzel in the in the mm-hmm. energy she brings to her roles, and it's a little too bad that they weren't together on screen in, in Inside Man that much. Oh yeah, I forgot yeah. to read um, that yeah. And and that he wasn't really playing a Denzel, like like a typical Denzel role. They have one good scene but, together though. Yeah. She she kind of knocks him off the yeah, screen. A little bit. Um because she's, again he's she's she is chewing the scenery in that role. She she, she could tell she loves that role. But um as yeah. she just loves playing a villain, which she doesn't play very often. You know what I mean? Like she's it's kind of great. Yeah. That's yeah, what's I, intriguing about Hotel Artemis, honestly, is like the concept is like, oh, we saw John Wick and thought up a new idea, but like, yeah. but her in this movie? <laughs> yeah, it's very John Wick. That is, is that is eighty percent of movies these days. Well, I mean, they were like, oh, there's an assassin hotel. Let's make a criminal yeah. hospital. Like, there's so many variations of that idea. But but Jodie Foster in that movie, that is what's intriguing. Like, I want to know who. Yeah, that I is. watched the trailer. And I was like, I mean, Jodie Foster's in it. Exactly. I'm, I'm probably going to see it. Well, and hence how yeah. I ended up on this movie, going back to the beginning of this conversation. <laughs> yeah. Well, Jodie Foster is in yeah. it. Like, yeah. So, um, I mean, let's talk about J.J. Abrams. <laughs> <laughs> I. You don't. You don't have to. I don't, we don't want to. We don't want to put you in any uh, you, any uncomfortable. Or, or let's. Or you all realize I'm an unproduced screenwriter. <laughs> or, <laughs> oh God! I mean, if you know, yeah. if, if actual people with. Pull power. Pull listen it. to this. Listen to this. Our careers would be over. Well, or really great. Um, but <laughs> I no, I mean, how about this? We will uh, we will edit it out if it is bad. Okay. And we and we promise anything you <laughs> yeah. say that you want you want out. We we promise we'll yeah. take it out. But I am super intrigued by that take. I JJ Abrams knows how to craft emotional moments and doesn't know how to tell stories. He doesn't at all. Mm know how to write like the third act have you seen taking care of business no i have not (laughs) okay you wrote that Uh, okay i've not seen that it was his first yeah and i think it it depends on who's writing with him and who's working with him i liked the beginning of lost but like characteristic of jj abrams stuff from the beginning is when you get to the third act there's no there there like it totally falls apart and i mean i the force awakens i can't like i I have conniption fits about it. that <laughs> because as much as I think he, I just feel bad right now. I'm why? sorry. Why? Because I, I feel like we're pulling this out of out of Jessica. No. Okay. I mean, oh, it's no, not no, buried I, I, very okay. deep. Okay. Okay. Okay, cool. I don't. We, we 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 don't need to do this. But like, I'm a big fan of people who have takes different than the mainstream. No, I, sure, sure, sure. Like, and that's kind of you know. Look, I, I, I'll put it out here right now. Eat shit, Martin Scorsese. I think the worst movie ever made is The Departed. Um, he has made that very clear. I do. I think it's the worst movie, literally the worst movie I've ever seen. Eat I, shit, Martin Scorsese. I'm making you a t-shirt that says he, that. He's, and he's one of my favorite directors. I, I mean, like, truly. Like, yeah, he's made, like, five of my favorite movies, including Taxi Driver, starring Jodie Foster. That's why this is a relevant starring conversation. Jodie Foster. But, um, but, so, no, I'll, like, I, I do it. It's one of my favorite arguments to make why that movie is so bad. Um, so, so when I find someone else who's willing to go out and say, Hey, this person, all of you people love, you're wrong. You're not even thinking about it. And here's the real truth. That's the stage I've ho- I mean, hopefully I mean, set for you to go. No, right? There's a moment. Okay. There was an interview about the force awakens that kind of defines exactly my problem with JJ Abrams, which is when R2D2 wakes up at the end. I hope I'm not spoiling this for anyone. Spoiler. <laughs> and someone asked him, why did R2D2 wake up at the end? 
because that was not set up in any way other than that you knew he would sleep. And he said, because we needed something good to happen in that moment. And it's like, true, needs to be motivated. but that yeah. is completely unmotivated. I feel like he has a strong instinct for what to do and no idea of how to construct it. Hmm. Um, and that is just evident through all of his work. And I've seen a lot of younger filmmakers ad- pick up that mantle and, and do the same thing. And yeah. I, it, it's terrible. I think it's a terrible influence. I mean, I think that we, you know, I, 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 I don't have the same issues that you have with J.J. Abrams, um, but I do hear what you're what you're saying, and I do think that it's indicative of something, of a little bit of sort of the culture that we exist in right now, which is sort of moments, things that will trend, things that will get people talking, and don't worry so much about how we got there. We'll just kind of we will coast on emotion or coast on nostalgia mm-hmm. or coast on how cool this turn is, and I and I fully agree with you that that is a problem that is very pervasive right now, especially in the comic book movie sort of culture that we exist in right now. So I, I hear you on that. And, and, it, and, and I don't know how to get back from it because these movies are so enormously successful. Well, and I think the problem is he's a great producer. Like I want JJ Abrams to come up with ideas for decades. <laughs> you know, he's the reason we have mm-hmm. Westworld. He's, he's, you know, uh-huh. he's, he's got, a, he's a brilliant idea machine, yeah. a lot like John Lasseter or one of those guys. But that's not the same thing as story construction. No, I, I hear you on that. I mean, I think that yeah, I th- yeah. The re- yeah. I guess the reason I'm so interested in this is because I've oh, I think I've always kind of in my gut felt this. Like I've always kind of in my gut felt like there was just there. There's no there there a little bit. Like, why do I like Star Trek? Well, I like Star Trek because I kind of think the, the shit with Nimoy is pretty, I mean, shit with, um, with Spock's pretty cool. Like, I kind of think like the, 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 the JJ Star Trek. Yeah. yeah. I kind of think the reveal of the, it's so stupid. It's just the kind of thing I would like. It's just, Oh, they found a way to, to, to have these two, two worlds exist as, as one. That's exciting That's, to me. I fully agree with you. Like as a, like as a nerd, like how do you reboot this property while yeah. paying tribute? Like, oh, that's exciting. That's a but clever, like, it's a clever conceit. Yeah. And, and, I agree and, with that. And I, I love JJ Star Trek. Just to speaking be- to Jessica's point, like, yeah, that's a great building block, but then you have to build the story around it. Yeah. I can hardly remember anything else that happened in that movie. I think that movie. And as I've said, I really love J.J. from Star Trek. But I will also say that the opening of that movie might still be his crowning achievement from a direction perspective. That cold open, if you will, because if we're being honest, it's a very, very expensive opening to a television show, if you will, yeah. is really, really well executed. It's emotional. Wait, what are you talking about? I'm talking about Chris Hemsworth at the top of Star Trek. His, oh, you said television show. Sorry. Yeah. So that that whole opening of that sets the whole thing in motion that we ultimately understand sort of what. Hemsworth. Is Sorry. Fine. Fine. Different no, Chris, Chris Hemsworth was his father. Oh yeah, that's right. Oh, Chris Hemsworth. It was a double headed Chris movie. <laughs> it was a double headed Chris movie. Uh, Chris Hemsworth. That was sort of his star making performance, if you will, was that opening. And it's, it's great. And it, it does, it hits all the emotional beats that you're talking about. It's a great launching pad for the series. And, you know, there's an argument to be made of whether or not it ever, you know, fulfills that potential. And from your perspective, maybe it doesn't. Um, for mine, it does. But I do think that uh, when when it's all gelling, which might not happen as often for you as it does for me, I do think that there's no one else like him in terms of finding a way to check a lot of boxes and do a lot of things and also still 
remain sort of with some sense of integrity because I, I don't think there's I will a lot say, of people that I, have I think power. the first of the first Star Trek movie was pretty good. Like it was enjoyable. I enjoyed yeah. it. And then I don't remember anything about it. Like it, right. it, it, that's how I feel. Yeah. Really? Yeah. I actually saw it. They screened it when I was at AFI and he yeah. came and talked to it. And I remember his like Q and a yeah. where he told an amazing story about Stephen King uh-huh. way better than I remember what the heck happened in the <laughs> yeah. movie. I saw that Star Trek twice in the theater. I, I mean, I, I, that whole drill sequence is, is great. It's, he does great. very good sequences. Well, I, he, I mean, we live in a set piece culture now from a studio. Yeah. Big tentpole movie thing. Like set pieces are everything. And I think that, you know, I love Mission Impossible 3 as well. I know that there are some people that take issue with that too. But I do think that he makes tactile uh, set pieces that are very well choreographed. You know, I spoke earlier on The Bone Collector about that idea of like understanding the geography of an action sequence or understanding the geography of a scene, which a lot of filmmakers either don't have the power or the patience to do. And I do think he does that well. I think you're right there. I don't disagree with that at all. But yeah, like my my issues with him are are mainly structural. And I, I don't sure. know where you guys land on the Star Wars arguments I that are going I actually don't on. know where I land on this. I, 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 think, I certainly don't land. You can't wait for a Phantom Menace episode. I certainly don't land on the, the, the men's rights side of it. So that's like, so <laughs> that, that's, that appears to be the argument I hear it's a lot. It's a weird argument, right? I think it like, was. I don't often hear the, these movies are bad for reasons other than Ray is a woman, but. Well, I, th- I think wow. it is telling that Ryan Johnson in The Last Jedi, like the first 10 minutes of that movie are people getting grabbed in like rooms and being like, why are you doing the thing that you're doing? Because <laughs> explain the last movie to me. <laughs> absolutely. No one's motivation was set up. Like, I don't know why any of these people are where they are at the end of the force awakens. And thank God that someone stepped in. I love the like, last Jedi. Yeah. I, 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 it may be, I would say it's, it's in my top two of star Wars movies. It's up there. I, it's I think definitely it in my, probably great. my top three. But um, but the fact that he had to do that, the I fact know. that you came into a, a second movie and were like, hey, what is going on with all of these people? That's not a and good sign. And that people shit all over him for doing that. Oh. It's like, I, what I, what I, what was your, what, what's your, what's the third in your top three? Star Wars? New Hope? No, I would say, I, I mean, if you're putting me on the spot, I haven't, but I would probably say Empire Strikes Back, New Hope. Last Jedi. I just didn't even know what the third one would be. I only think there are. I, I actually only. I just, what? what? No, I know. Just I actually only think there's one great Star Wars movie. Well, you're saying Empire. I think Empire is like a great American movie, and I think it's great. I think every. I think. I don't know if you've watched New Hope. You're, you're last... ruining our Phantom Menace episode right now. What, are you gonna, what the fuck are you going to talk about? <laughs> Anna mean, and the King. Uh, <laughs> that would be I, what a twist. I like New Hope, obviously, like everybody else in the world. Uh-huh. It's a very very long first hour. I don't know if you remember. It's so long that like even my kids who are like kind of fanatics were like, when does it get good? So, I mean, I, my, to get back to last Jedi, just very briefly, just cause I do think that that movie and we, I'm, I imagine we will talk about this in the Phantom Menace episode, as I imagine we'll talk about solo, which who knows what that movie will be. I'm looking forward um, to it. Yeah. I am. I'm excited for it too. Uh, but I, I just think that, I was amazed at the backlash that movie got considering that it, and, and listen, every Star Wars movie is flawed in some form or another in terms of how deep a dive you want to do into the logic that exists in this stuff. And there's some people that want to find holes. If you want it hard enough, you're going to find it. Sure. But what's interesting is that this movie doesn't deviate that much from 
the canon. Like, it's clear that Ryan Johnson loves Star Wars and that he wants to just find a way to move just a little bit in a different direction to find a vision and a I like voice. the deviations. That's yeah. what I'm saying. I thought I, it was great, but people yeah. fucking were up in arms no, about it. Like, I, it's. I, yeah, I thought, like, just the, just the in- injection of a little more modern brand of humor was a modern really, brand of humor was really welcomed for me. The thing that I saw it three times in the theater, and, and I will say that the thing that stuck with me each time I watched it was. I guess you would say the force time conversations between Ray and Kyla, yeah. which from a structural perspective, we've never really seen anything like that done to the extent that it's done in that movie. Like they have full fledged, they have several scenes, you know, that move the plot of this movie through nothing, but I guess consciousness or whatever we want to say. Those. It happens with Luke and Leia. It like, it like they don't have Very a conversation, briefly. but they, they definitely establish it. It's like, it's like, yeah, we've proven that we can, yeah. you know, make a but phone also, call. And the like Snoke Graham is Bell, like, the one made a pulling the strings call, yeah. on that, those conversations too. Like he's intentionally putting them together in order to create this strife between the two of them. But but just just structurally, I found myself just being like, I love that he's doing this. Yeah. And that some people were just like, their fucking heads exploded. Well, <laughs> I, like, I, people are extremely, I don't know. It, it's weird that everybody wanted more Star Wars movies, but wanted nothing to change. Like, I know. They wanted more Star Wars That's movies that made them feel exactly liked the first ones did and that that just that's a dumb way to watch movies that's why i'm hopeful first of all that you know jj is going to put this to bed you know that the sky the skywalker series for for lack of i know i'm you're thrilled it could be worse it could be colin trevor oh my god (laughs) so like let's all just thank our lucky stars that that didn't happen but my, my point is i you know hopefully jj can land the plane and and put this series to bed so that other people can start telling other stories in the Star Wars universe that do not involve anybody affiliated with the Skywalker bloodline. Yeah, well, that's I thought Rogue I think- One was an interesting, you know, test balloon yeah. for, for that. And uh, I don't know, opinion was pretty split on that film. I enjoyed it. I, I don't it know fine. if it's a Star Wars movie, but I enjoyed it. Super po- polarizing. Because yeah. I, I really didn't like it. Yeah. And then I've spoken to people who really did like it. Yeah. I know um, people that loved it. I think it's one of the one of the best yeah. Star Wars movies. I think movies. as a space battle movie, it's really interesting and a cool story. I, it didn't feel like a Star Wars movie to me, but which is kind of why I think the people that love it love it. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. I think that I mean my issue with it had more to do with um, emotional terrain. Like I, I, once it became clear, spoiler, everybody dies. Once it became clear that this was a, a, a you know a kamikaze mission. Mm-hmm. Um. It, I was like, oh, wow, okay, so we're going to go there. And I didn't care about any of the deaths. The one death that actually emotionally resonated with me was the robot. Robot was awesome. Because <laughs> I was like, oh, man, I like that guy. Like, it it, it just I, – I, I liked that. It just I, didn't hit me. That's actually what excited me about the movie. It's like okay. you have this two-hour movie that showed me the size of Disney's – excuse the phrase – balls when it comes yeah. to this franchise. Yeah. yeah. So that excited me. That they would be willing to tell a story like that over the course of two, yeah, two hours, and it made an insane amount of money. So there will be more risky stories with it. Hopefully, I mean that movie was obviously you know plagued. The production of that movie had issues. The production yeah. of Solo had issues. There is a part of me that starts to feel as though I wonder how Lucasfilm moves forward, you know, and and how they do what they're doing. I, you know, I'm 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 hopeful that Ryan Johnson gets to hold on to his new trilogy. I'm a little nervous, but I'm hopeful that he will. Um, I don't know what Benioff and Weiss's 
trilogy is that they're doing. Like, I don't oh, know God, what any of this right. is. I'm yeah. entirely but, about that. But one. like, I'm curious to see where these go. And, and, and I'm hopeful that they'll keep telling, they're going to keep telling stories. We are getting Star Wars movies from now until the end For the of time. rest of our lives. So it's not yeah. like we're not going to keep getting them. So that's why I keep saying to myself, we have to find a way to ironically expand this universe because it's feeling too narrow right now. They, they need, for me at least, they need their version of Guardians of the Galaxy, which would be the exact opposite of Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, yeah I know what you're saying. Right? Yeah. I need something Earthbound. This is an oh. entire galaxy. Right, oh, okay. where so many things are happening, and we never see it. Right, you see little bits and pieces, mm-hmm. but everything is the thing about Star Wars that like was awesome in the beginning. It's so terrible in the prequels, and I don't know how it's playing out necessarily in this movie, in these pre- this set of movies, this trilogy. I think it's a little better than the prequels. Was that everything always had to do with the fate of the galaxy? Every yeah. move, right? I think Solo almost necessarily will be a smaller story. Yeah, and it's going to be, be a cool. heist movie, basically. And I wonder if there would be if there's there are stories to tell just about I don't know life in the cloud city. Yeah, because yeah. I think a flaw in the in in the Star Wars universe so far is that all of the planets are planets where there's one type of thing, yeah. and and mm-hmm. it seems very superficial. Like there's the city planet and the forest planet and right. the snow planet, and it's like we we never dig into society, so it's hard to care about the fate yeah. of the galaxy. You care about the fate of your characters, That's right? But you don't like the yeah. galaxy? Yeah. Well, but to be honest, the, the flip side to that is I agree with you. It's either like forest planet, snow planet, whatever, or it's like Coruscant from like these prequels where it's just like it, it's it's there's so many fucking people on these things and and you're just you you can't process the enormity of these cities either. Like it, it feels as though there's I agree with what you're saying, which is we need to connect and ground these movies. You can tell and, so uh, many cool so stories. So many stories. Mm-hmm. So I, I agree. We need to, and I, again, I'm hopeful that part of this is going to be putting this series to bed, putting Luke and Leia and Han and all of that to bed to a certain extent. And we're going to get prequels inevitably of Obi-Wan and we're going to get these stories that take place in these universes to a certain extent. But I'm hopeful that Ryan Johnson's new trilogy has something to do with something complete. I can only assume based on last Jedi that it has to do with something drastically dissimilar to what we've actually seen. So here's my pitch. This is what I want. Uh, okay. Okay. I, I, so, you know, Kathleen Kennedy, if you're listening, I want, she's not, I w- how do you know? I, <laughs> she better I mean, not be, or I'm going to be in trouble I, for all the JJ yeah, stuff. Yeah. I don't she, think she, sudden, I mean, she probably agrees. Um, my, Amazing. I would love to see a Black Mirror type thing set in oh, that's the cool. Star Wars universe. Sure. I'd love to see what eight or ten versions of what a standalone story would look like yeah. that could only happen within this galaxy. So, these are these are. I mean, and I, I, I honestly think that again, I don't know this obviously for a fact, but there's a part of me that feels like Kathleen Kennedy and Lucasfilm have to be looking at the Marvel universe and saying like they did this right, right, in the sense that they laid the the, the groundwork so that they could take risks down the road a little bit. So that's the kind that's why the Rogue One of it all was so kind of shocking for them to take such a big swing on yeah. the first sort of anthology story. Um and I respect it, but it's also why I feel like they're going to be licking their wounds a little bit in terms of what these next anthology stories are going to be like. I think that the the Obi-Wan which I'm hoping is with you and McGregor. Uh, maybe. I don't know. But for continuity's sake, sake, it would be nice. It'd be nice. And I think I I don't know. But I just I feel like there's stories to tell 
with these characters, and hopefully the anthology stuff will will ring a little more true after Solo. I don't know. I don't know. Solo don't know. Is, is such a wild card. It's it's going to be... I am, but the promos I keep seeing, I'm like, oh, well, it's kind of working. Alden Ehrenreich is my pick of the next amazing actor. And my last two picks were Benedict Cumberbatch and Heath Ledger. So I have a good track record from like their first crappy movies of being like, yeah, that yeah. one. So the, what was the first movie you saw? Him Hail in? Caesar. And he okay. freaking stole yeah, that stole entire that film. My first movie I saw him in was Beautiful Creatures, which I hear he was very pretty in that movie. He is. That movie is a mess. But yeah, I mean, Hail Caesar, he's just, you're like, oh my God. And when he got cast as Hansel, I was like, I was very optimistic, yeah. but then you hear all this shit from behind the scenes. You just got to hope that like the weight of all of this, the artifice of all of this nonsense doesn't hurt him somehow. I yeah. hope it doesn't. I think it might work. You know how I feel about Ron Howard. So did, I don't know if you listen to our Ed TV, no, our Ed TV episode. I feel warmly towards okay, him. Okay. So do I. Um, I do too. I, I think feel, Ron Howard is like, I feel yeah. warmly towards him. I feel like he was considering the situation a great choice. Yeah. He's perfect. Um, perfect. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. Um, I also love Lord and Miller. I think they do yeah. really incredible stuff with really kind of mundane, boring properties. Yeah. yeah. Um, obviously, I just think obviously that, yeah. there was something there. There was yeah. there was something that happened there. I don't really know what it is, but all we know is that there was like a plane that was going down, <laughs> and they needed a pilot. And I trust this guy yeah. over almost anybody else currently yeah. working yeah. to land this plane. Yeah, well, you got who yeah. would you want to save your movie if you were making one and for some reason couldn't fit? Ron, Ron Howard would be and a this top movie. choice. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he's not going to come in and auteur the hell out of it. Like yeah. he's, he's going to land the He's plane? not going to dance on your grave yeah. or anything. Yeah. I also have to say too the thing that so the fir- the first solo trailer did not inspire much confidence in me. I was sort of That's like the one they played during the Super Bowl. I, I don't know, maybe. Uh-huh. The very first one made me go like I don't know what this is because they didn't really convey a story. They didn't convey a tone. Maybe it was, I don't know. It was weird. And then the, the, the last trailer that actually, I was like, Oh, okay, this is a movie. I understand what this story is. And the jokes were landing for me mm-hmm. in a way that made me go like, Oh, I don't know if this is just marketing, whatever. Cause who knows? But the, the jokes in the last TV spot that I saw today, actually, I don't know if you saw the, there's two chewy jokes that just really worked for me. The first was Han saying, what's your name? And then he says it, but like chewy. And you're like, <laughs> which is just fantastic. And then, and then the last joke in the TV spot was they're playing some card game or something like that. And Han is looking at his cards and he's acting cocky and whatever. And then he shows it to Chewie and Chewie just goes like, uh, and he's just really disappointed in the cards. <laughs> so it's just like, that's the stuff that I hope if they are leaning into this relationship and the beginning of this relationship, you know, it's gold. Like it's, it's, yeah. it's, I don't know. It's, it's kind of work. hard to fuck up Han and Chewie. Yeah. So hopefully they don't. Well, and Donald Glover, it's like you right. and he's watch him cr- eat gum great. off the sidewalk. Like yeah. that man yeah. is just captivating. It's true. So we should wrap up our Anna and the King episode real oh, quick right. here. Watch um, <laughs> Just real quick here. <laughs> First, let's do Force Awakens. Zero to 99. <laughs> so let's do zero to 99. Do you know about our ranking? That no. We do? Okay. So basically, we rank every movie from zero being the lowest to 99 being the highest because okay. it was 1999. Got it. They hadn't uh, invented 100 years. <laughs> no. And our, uh, basically, we rank it from what you thought when you saw it, if you saw it in 99, which it seems that you did. I twice. did. And then, <laughs> and then what you think of it now. So what your ranking is then and what your ranking is now. Kenny and I can only rank it now. So do you want to think on that while we rank it? You guys okay. go first. Kenny? 
<laughs> um, I almost always do have this ranking ready to go. And oh, you didn't even rank this yet? Well, no, I, I watched it last night so late. Sure, and sure, I was, sure. Um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> this this movie really uh, it's it's not it's 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 not as bad as some movies we've seen yeah. it's certainly competent um and it's it's like my issues with it are that it's really icky but that's kind of a place that's kind of coming from a 2018 place yeah um my other issue is that it's very boring so, I should, I also just sorry i don't mean to cut you off just something to keep in mind as you think of your ranking which is that we kind of have this recommend or not recommend if you go over 50 you are recommending people to watch okay. this if you go under 50 you are in theory, saying to not watch this. It's a lop off 20 points. Um, so <laughs> I, uh, I'm, I mean, look, I'm, I'm not going to kill it, but I think it's 29. <laughs> um, but that's I, not good. I wouldn't want any, it didn't like, it, it, it didn't anger me as much as it bored me. Yeah. Um, some movies anger me and those are the movies I get real of. Like the rug <laughs> nodded at that. But, um, it didn't anger me, it bored me. Yeah. But, uh, but, and, and, it's hard to kill a movie that's intentions are pure, even if its politics are so sure. misguided. Sure. 29. 29. Uh, okay. I'm going to go a little higher than that. I, I, I'm going to say 39. I didn't find it. It's not a, it's not a reprehensible movie. Like it's not a movie that you can, that you can hate. Like it's actually built <laughs> depending on how you look at this to be kind of, innocuous like it's not trying which is part of why it's not great like it's not actually taking a stance on anything so it's just sort of it exists and it's like please love me because i'm milk toast um so that's kind of i feel like 39 is sort of a fair yeah i think that nails it this is it's a movie that tries to be on everyone's side and that that's especially problematic because (laughs) clearly the colonialist side is not one anybody should be on like that's a huge issue um (laughs) yeah but when I saw it as as you know a seventeen year old and just getting into movies, there just weren't a lot of films that had this strong of a female lead, somebody mm-hmm. that was mm-hmm. purported to be intelligent. Like that was her primary quality. That was pretty much only something you got in Jodie Foster movies yeah. in yeah. the nineties. Was that that was her leading mm-hmm. attribute? Um, so when I saw it the first time, I mean, it was always long, and I never thought the the Burma plot made any sense. So when I saw it the first time, <laughs> I would say probably like a 60, I okay, would say, okay. because it's beautiful. It is. Ling is amazing in it. And I feel like we didn't talk enough about her. Yeah, we didn't. She, that, that role and what she brings to a concubine, you know, like yeah. something scene that could have been in dismissed. the courtroom. And you or also. whatever, sorry, in a courtroom. Yeah. Whatever you believe called. that her and that monk are madly in love. Yeah, like I, I felt like I fluttery and nauseous yeah. seeing the two of them because they nail that chemistry. Um, You'll so, have to just come back on when we have our Ling follow-up episode. That would be good. Yeah. We have a Biling follow-up episode? Oh, when Biling comes on? Yeah, that's what I meant. Okay. Yeah. But, you know, <laughs> With Biling in studio. Now, you know, being much older and having seen more movies and being yeah. a writer, I, uh, yeah, probably like a 40, just because the racial politics are so unpleasant in this, but it is still extremely well-produced. It's beautiful, and there's a couple of great performances in it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. That's fair. That that's pretty like good. Fair, that's fair. That feels fair. Uh, so next week, we don't know what we're doing next week. Well, we could probably fake it. 
You're going to fake it? No, you can. You can I mean, I could fake it. I can, in figure, terms of, I, I can figure it out right now. Yeah, we don't know what it's going to be next week yet. I, I'm then interested I assume to see it'll Kenny just be fake me it, though. Again. Yeah. <laughs> it might, it might <laughs> just be Jessica again. It'll be a movie from it's 1999. And I think it's actually going to be a movie that people are going to be very excited to hear uh, us talk about. Unlike and this I don't, one. <laughs> I, all right. So it's obviously Cruel Intentions. It's not going to be Cruel oh, Intentions. Oh, bummer. <laughs> um, but that being said, thank you so much They're for They're not going to be excited to see Anna and the King. They will be excited to see with Jessica Ellis. So thank you for giving us some Absolutely. credibility. People are totally going to be. And some um, heat with this, <laughs> yeah, this cold, been, this dead <laughs> fish of, an, of a movie. <laughs> Thank you yeah, so you much really for having me on. And we absolutely want to have you back. So oh, please we'll, do. We'll, yeah, thank you so we'll much. We'll talk and, more and you know about what? J.J. Abrams inappropriately. <laughs> talk, well, and I also say, like, I think that what we want to start doing as we get deeper into this is, like, saying, here are five movies that we want to cover that maybe none of us have seen. And just sort of, like, doing something like that, where we sort of just do a deep dive into a movie that none of us know anything about. Yeah, which could be fun cool. too. Yeah. yeah. But this was fantastic. This was awesome. Next week, there will be a movie, and we will figure out what it is then. It will Jessica be Ellis is on Twitter. On Twitter, at, on Twitter, at Baddest Mamajama. <laughs> <laughs> Can you explain that? Okay. So, in the early days of Twitter, I didn't really know how you picked a Twitter handle, and that was what my mom called me when I was a baby. Uh, that's awesome. That's so Isn't cool. That's and it's, that's yeah. Great. It's a great handle. I just never knew what it meant. Yeah, that's what yeah. it means. Um, I am at PM Iskov on Twitter, on Instagram. We have a, a Twitter handle now for our uh, for our podcast, which is podcast like 1999. Uh, Kenny is at, at Nybart in the early days of Twitter. There were no other Nybarts, so I took it. Um, <laughs> and it's a cool yeah, story, I, I, bro. I'm at K Nybart uh, okay. because there was another Nybart, obviously. Oh, okay. well, yeah. um, and I guess that's yeah, it. Yeah, well, what's Rate, a, you subscribe well, all yeah. that stuff. You're, it's going to be great. Next week's going to be great. You're going to love it. Whatever I, I'm it is. so excited to hear what this movie you have in mind is. Yeah, we're great. All right. All right. Thank you. Bye. 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 Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more 
and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.